Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. This is the Wednesday Quick Shot episode. How is everybody doing? Just going to have a quick one and we're going to be on our way. It's a Wednesday. Come on, got to work tomorrow. Some of us at least. Unless you got one of those split uh, split week jobs, which most of us bartenders and servers have. That's right, you Monday through Friday, nine to fivers. You guys are schmucks because you think, why can't you do it on the weekends? Well, our weekends start on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Or um, Mondays too, yeah. But, uh, you know, you just can't get uh, these Monday through Friday 9-to-5ers that have to fight traffic because everybody else is a Monday through Friday 9-to-5er. But all of us uh, servers and bartenders, we don't work the 9-to-5, so we really don't ever hit rush hour. So that's a plus for us. Before I get started, we got to do the usual uh, quick shot uh, drink special. This quick shot drink special is called the Angry Badger. The Angry Badger is an extremely simple shooter that, because, you know, I do shots when it's a quick shot episode, or at least I try to. The Angry Badger is goes as follow. You grab your shaker, you put some ice into it, and then you combine equal parts, fireball and honey whiskey in, in the shaker and shake the shit out of it. I'm never letting go, go of that. I'm, I swear to God. You shake the shit out of it and strain it into a shot glass and then tell your customer to shoot that thing and th- slam it down their throat. Very simple, very easy, and I don't know if it'll actually have any angry effect. You don't want anybody to go all Hulk smash on you. Badger might be funny. Badger badger smash. But unfortunately for this bartender, if I do one of those shots about, say, 10 to 15 minutes later, my face turns bright red, and uh, I think everything's funny. And you know, low tolerance, you know, it's what it, it is, what it is. There are actually through this podcast, I found out there are a lot of bartenders out there that don't drink, whether, you know, they all have their own specific reasons, whether it's they just don't or like me, uh, cause I'm bad at it or they all of a sudden one person even told me they saw the filthy ways of, uh, an alcoholic and that scared them straight. It's one, uh, one of the, just one of those things. And I don't mean to call alcoholics filthy. You guys, you got your own things. You, uh, we all have our own, uh, things. Uh, I'm taking too long to apologize for it. Just know that I'm not being mean to you guys, but this quick shot episode, I decided that I wanted to talk about something because I've been going through social media. I've been, uh, just hearing all these things left and right. And, you know, I all of a sudden got these things uh, that are just stuck in my head and they just have to be said by me. Uh, I don't know about you guys, uh, but remember, this is just the opinion of this bartender, this podcaster, 
And if you guys have any input on it, feel free to email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, and uh, tell me what you think of all of this because uh, a lot of the, some of this stuff is going to uh, might make perk your ears up. Some of it might make you a little uneasy. Um, but, uh, you know, let's just talk about this shit and see what happens. First and foremost, the there's a whole bunch of people out there that are saying that uh, people just aren't coming back to work. They don't want to come back to work. And you know, all these restaurants are short-staffed, and the people that did need to come back to work or wanted to come back to work are getting killed out there because they're all in when their sections used to be only four tables, all of a sudden they're handling 12. And it just happens to be that uh, 13 out of those 12 tables are all angry that the service is slow. And, you know, it's driving everybody absolutely batshit crazy. And I can understand that. Now, there's different ways I uh, totally understand that. I've been through those shifts where just all of a sudden somebody called in sick or no-showed, and then all of a sudden, I got to take care of more of the restaurant than I ever intended. It happens. And what do we do? We just grin and bear it. We uh, put our heads down. We just plow right through it. And hopefully, we don't get anybody hurt. Customers, angry. Where's my ranch? How come I haven't? Uh, excuse me. Can I? Could you get my order? Uh, I need more water over here. Or is why is this seat all squishy? You know, you we, we can only do so much, and not one of the customers out there, well, maybe a few of the customers out there, don't really understand what we're going through. And, you know, one of the reasons uh, that are probably, there are probably thousands of reasons why some of these people aren't coming back to their jobs at the restaurants, but my favorite reason is this. Imagine, if you will. Some of you don't have to imagine. Some of you uh, are uh, actually lived it. You go to work, you uh, pick up shifts because somebody called in sick, you work extra hours because uh, you need the money, or just because the uh, they just need more people. You come in on your days off, you uh, start a couple up, uh, a couple hours earlier, They somebody's, uh, and you just, you go, you jump through all these hoops for this, uh, for your work, for the business, because you're faithful to the business. Now, uh, for you, those of you who are completely faithful to the restaurant that you work for, that is incredibly rare the, nowadays. And so, you know, thumbs up to you guys. But imagine all of a sudden, one day, someone on TV jumps up and says, because of this quarantine, all non-essential workers will be told to stay home. And then you turn around and you look at your boss and say, the boss says, we will be closed until further notice. And it could be a couple weeks, could be a couple months, up to a year. You, uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't know. But the key word that always hit me was being referred to as non-essential. You know, that's, that's gotta, that hit my self-esteem. I mean, I'm just, all of this, what? Non-essential? That means I don't matter? All this work that I've done to boost this business, to get the customers in, get the customers out, bring more customers in, the extra shifts I worked, the uh, extra duties that I've taken, uh, all of a sudden I'm considered non-essential and have to stay home? 
And some of some of us got paid for it. Some of us took unemployment or quarantine unempl- version of unemployment. Some got stimulus checks, but it wasn't enough for us to all live on. But all of a sudden, you are regarded as non-essential. So for some of pe- people out here, you know, how bad do you want to go back to a job where somebody looked you in the face and said, you're a non-essential worker, you have to stay home? Now, me, back when I used to work in restaurants, I never was able to get this chip on my shoulder where I'd sit back and think, this place would die without me. No, I knew knew damn well that if I left, somebody else would be in my spot the next day. And there would be uh, hardly a blink of an eye. There one or two people might miss me, but uh, hardly a blink of an eye. But part of that goes back to... uh, grade school. Now, I'm not going to tell you what type of school I went to or anything like that, but uh, or what the school was, but um, there was this TikToker that jumped on and uh, uh, that I ran across. Uh, uh, you know what? I uh, probably shouldn't mention her name, but uh, she uh, there, there was a question uh, postulated. Ooh, very grown-up word. wonder if I used it right. There was a question that was put up uh, saying, who was the teacher that wronged you and what happened? Now, at the school that I went to, I'd only realized this only in the last few years. In the school that I went to, not only were your grades uh, taken into account for what you do, it's how much participation you, as a student, your family have at the and have in the school. The school actually kept track of that. I know this because uh, my father actually wrote a program to help them with a database to find out, you know, who's helping more, who's doing what. And the favorite students, the ones where the parents were donating most of their times or uh, their free time or uh, their kids were playing sports or anything, uh, anything like that. The, those uh, students often could do no wrong. They uh, they got mid to good grades. Some, not, I'm not saying all the all the straight A students uh, were like that, but there I were I went to school with some extremely smart people. Me, not so much. But when it came, uh, came down to it, if you were on a the cusp of pass or fail. They looked at uh, they looked at how much you participated in the school, and it was almost like, do we really need this person here or not? And I mean, did this person? How did this person do when they uh, went went out and sold candy or wrapping paper? How did this person? Uh, what did this person do? Did they volunteer to help the school with this? Did they volunteer to help the school with that? And don't get me started on the fundraisers because I went to a school where you had to pay tuition to go there but immediately within the first month of going to school that year you had to go out and sell coupon books you had to sell wrapping paper around christmas that they had fundraisers constantly and now i sit back and i look at it and i say say to myself why did we have to do so many fundraisers when the parents paid so much for the kids to go to school 
in and in my case i feel uh felt a little bad because my parents invested a lot of money to go to school and i didn't do that hot my sister she was a wise investment me uh they probably should have went with other options but then all of a sudden it comes down to one day where all of a sudden i'm on that cusp am i a passing student or a non-passing student where did i stand on that line now now i all of a sudden realized that when i started middle school uh we finally got out of the 80s my dad finally got himself a secure job and so he wasn't able to because all during the 80s the reaganomics era dad had a hard time uh getting a job during the 80s look it up sometime but all of a sudden dad can't spend as much time uh, uh, donate much much of his time to the school anymore because he has a job my mother she had a job she was the major breadwinner in my household but then all of a sudden my grades started to slip and this was years before they started diagnosing kids with adhd hyper uh uh, or any of those other really cool uh acronyms Back in the late 80s, early 90s, if you got bad grades, that meant you didn't apply yourself. And at my particular school, when I got to high school, it almost felt like the teachers wrote me off. They they just looked at me and said, he's not going to make it. Which also brings up to to mind the whole essential, non-essential. The essential students, the ones that are uh, getting good grades, yes, we're going to help them. But the kids that aren't doing so good, we got nothing for them. So they opted to tell my parents, we can't help him. We think he should go somewhere else. Now, in my opinion, that is what a teacher's supposed to do. You're supposed to teach the kids. And pretty much when they gave up on me, they're not teaching me anymore. And they're, they're just sitting there going, they, uh, they didn't want to say, okay, what can we do to help you out? Because, like I said, this is the late 80s, early 90s, um, so there was no Ritalin. There was no uh, any anti-anxiety pills or anything like that. It was just, if you got good grades, that meant you applied yourself. If you got bad grades, you're going to probably be pumping gas for the rest of your life. That's what they used to say. In fact, I remember my freshman algebra teacher, every time we'd have a test, and most of us didn't do very good. Uh, there, of course, there were a couple students in the class. Uh, one in particular, one in particular that I can think of, mostly because she was my high school crush. Uh, some people did good, but some of us didn't do too hot. And she said, "What are you not studying? Do you want to flip burgers for the rest of your life? You need to learn this stuff." And you know, I and then. I'm like, you're threatening us with working in fast food. And I can't really say anything about that particular teacher because uh, I know she lived a fairly healthy life. She was very in shape. She was very beautiful. And she probably did eat right compared to what I'm doing to my body right now, which is a lot of fun. But insults like that that I got throughout high school pretty much set me on a path where I sat back and said, well, I didn't do very good in school. I guess I have to go work at McDonald's for a little while. And I did for a year and a half until all of a sudden one day I decided I really want to learn audio engineering. And I moved to Seattle. 
and I studied audio engineering out there. Eventually, I uh, ran out of money, couldn't go to that school anymore, so I moved back to uh, moved back to Oregon, and I tried working retail jobs. Uh, retail people, you guys deal with a lot of crap too. Uh, don't think I'm ignoring you guys. This is a bar. Uh, this is a restaurant pod- podcast, but retail workers, you put up with a lot of shit too. But then I got out of the retail business just because I couldn't uh, handle the competition between me and my coworkers. And honestly, it, it was it was rough because we were all working on commission. So I decided all of a sudden one day to go to bartending school. And uh, after bartending school, I got my bartending jobs. And the insults kept coming. And it's just like, you know, uh, why don't you get a real job? Or some people that automatically assume that you're uh, working as a bartender or server because you've given up on life or whatever. You know what? I became a bartender because I needed the money. I needed a job right away. And I blame school for lowering my self-esteem to think that's the best I could do. There was no way in hell I could get a job better than that. And you, But you know what? I enjoyed the shit out of bartending. And I've had other goofy jobs in my life and where I... And sitting at a computer for eight hours a day doing data entry, that job, I don't care how much it paid, sucked compared to being able to converse with people, make friends. And the take-home pay was way better just because I always had money in my pocket. Met some really cool people, met some uh, really jerk people, but that also... The, the way I was treated in high school also affected my attitude later in life. And, you know, it took me a while to just sit back and realize, you know what? I don't think I want that regular Monday through Friday 9 to 5 job because going, uh, going to work and watching everybody go home as I'm heading to work, my, my road's clear because nobody's heading to work anymore. Everybody's heading home. So I can get to work easy. I get home easy because it's late at night and there's no traffic late at night usually. And uh, I've got money in my pocket. I've, I'm able to afford an apartment. What's so bad about this life? I mean, teachers using it as a threat that you'll never amount to anything or uh, you, if you don't apply yourself, you'll never make it in life. Now, what truthfully is the definition of making it in life? I mean... You know, I, I've heard it before where uh, somebody was asked, what, uh, when did you realize that you've made it? And the guy actually responded, I haven't made it yet. Uh, sure, you see this success behind me, but if I feel like I've made it, then I'm done. I, there's no reason to continue anymore. But I can always be better. I can always do more. These teachers that sit back and see that their students are failing, uh, that doesn't even occur to them that maybe that person's not getting enough attention. I've heard some teachers, though, recently say, look, I got a class of 25 kids. I can't afford the time to concentrate on just that one. Well, I'm sorry. If you can't teach all the students properly, in my opinion, you're a shitty teacher. I've had some teachers in the past who are uh, who came up to me and said 
hey, look, I noticed you had a little bit of problem with uh, this week's assignment. Come back after school. We'll take a half hour. We'll sit down. We'll talk about it. And usually I'd get uh, I'd get a lot better with it. Or they'd ask me to show up with uh, about a half hour before school. As painful as that was, I'd show up and then we'd go over the assignment so I could catch up with the rest of the class. And I usually did. But there were other teachers that just go, study. Why aren't you studying? You're just not applying yourself. You know, what it, one, uh, well, was it my biology teacher? I think. No, no, no. My biology teacher was cool. It was my uh, chemistry teacher. He was an asshole. Um, he actually blamed me failing his class on me wanting to play music. I, cause in high school I was a drummer and I was a pretty good drummer in my, uh, own opinion in, in this room that I'm sitting in right now by myself, I'm the best drummer that ever was. As soon as I go into another room where there's actually people in there, there's possibility I'm not that great of a drummer. But uh, when I'm here next to my drum kit, I'm a great drummer. But he went ahead and blamed the me wanting to play uh, with my band. We were, uh, we were playing Metallica, Alice in Chains, music he didn't uh, really appreciate. Uh, he didn't like Nirvana. He didn't like Pearl Jam. Uh, and we, he, uh, he just said after, uh, I remember one time after a talent show and he goes, well, now the talent show's over. You can finally start, uh, um, applying yourself to your schoolwork again. And I looked at him and I said, I was always applying myself to the schoolwork. The music part's easy. It's your class. That's hard. But for years and years after I left high school and I got my GED and uh, when I started working in restaurants and stuff like that, I actually lived in fear that one of my teachers would come in and see me, you know, or I'd have to wait their table or see me behind the bar. And then they would sit back and go, yep, that's about where I pictured him. And, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't say any, you know, they would look down on me for it because a lot of people that have that big of a chip on their shoulder, like the teachers at the school that I went to, uh, they would look down on people in the restaurant industry. They'd probably be those assholes that tap their glass with their ring or uh, uh, yell, excuse me, from across the restaurant or uh, all, you know, all that crap with these upright citizens do. So-called upright citizens. I'm uh, let's let's get past that. But I used to live in fear of that because I didn't want to see them where I was at. I was actually ashamed of where I was at, but I loved my job. But I was ashamed and hoped that every day I would never have to run into any of them ever again, partly because I hated them and I didn't want to give them the satisfaction of saying, yep, He's working in the restaurant. That's uh, that's you know probably the best he could ever do because he couldn't cut it in my class. But you know what? I'm also afraid of them seeing me if I uh, if I uh, wasn't working in a restaurant uh, of seeing me anywhere else. If I was making six figures a year, if this podcast were all of a sudden to uh, become huge, which I really wouldn't mind. Uh, tell your friends, please. But if this podcast all of a sudden became uh, uh, something that everybody wanted to listen to, I would be afraid of them finding out because 
that I would be afraid of them saying something like, well, if we didn't push you so hard, you never would have made it, which I think is completely ridiculous. Uh, they didn't push me hard. They pushed me away and because I was unteachable. They just, uh, we can't do anything with him. He has to go somewhere else. And I don't want to give them the satisfaction if I do make something of myself and uh, make them think, well, we uh, we were the ones that pushed him hard and that made him try hard. No, no, in my mind, they pushed me away, and I had to fend for myself, learn for myself. It was rough on me for quite a while, uh, realizing that I was getting pushed away because the teachers just all of a sudden decided I was unteachable. I uh, There was nothing they could do with me, and uh, I should really go go to somewhere else, uh, some uh, somewhere where, you know, I don't hold back the smart students. And that, truthfully, made me feel, quote, unquote, non-essential to everything for many years. I still don't quite feel that essential, but uh, the job that I have right now is considered an essential job, but uh, I, I don't feel essential because... Um, you know, like I, like every other job I've ever had in my life, there always is that point where you th- sit back and think, if I left here right now, they would uh, replace me probably immediately. I start to uh, think of things like there's no such thing as employee loyalty. There's no such thing as work loyalty because if you uh, if the boss chooses to let you go or you leave right then and there, there's going to be another person right in your spot within a day at, at the very most. And that's something that I really feel that restaurant uh, owners really need to uh, fix because every single one of us restaurant workers, we are a, a very important piece of the cog. You get rid of one of us, some of the business goes away too because some customers prefer to get served by one of us. Why? Because they like the way we joke around. They like the way we look. They like the way we talk. They like something about us. And you get rid of us, you lose a couple customers, sure. You get, uh, and But it leaves open for more customers to come, come in but then you might run into the problem of them being not the particular customer that you want. I'm thinking about at a time where a restaurant that I worked at refused to serve people that rode Harleys, which in my opinion was a huge mistake because they brought in a lot of business. So just to wrap this up, restaurant owners, whether you're a mom and pop shop or you are corporate, if you want your employees to come back, You've got to make them feel essential. You got to make them feel good. They got to feel important. Otherwise, us employees know not only can you replace us at the job just uh, really easy, we can get a job just as easy. We can get a job just as easy as if you let us go for whatever reason. The reason why uh, some of these people might not come back is because they don't feel important anymore. They might be sitting there going, what am I doing? I'm not important. I There's no reason for me to go back because they're able to run a business without me. Restaurant owners, managers, you really need to respect your employees 
and make sure that they are feel needed. And they make sure that they feel important. They're there for a reason. They're helping you make money. And if you're not paying them enough, you need to fix that. If they uh, call in sick constantly, you got to ask why. I mean, or, or you know, take day, uh, take a lot of days off, or because there might be something that's bugging them. And you know, do you have time to uh, to listen to them? Yes, you do. Don't fool yourself. I've heard it way the stories way too many times where somebody has called in that they couldn't go to work or uh, got another employee to fill their shift because they uh, had some really big family emergency uh, come up. And then all of a sudden the manager says, look, you haven't been coming in for the last week or so. I have to let you go. With no interview, no questions, nothing. It's just you haven't been showing up. You got to go. And, you know, some of this stuff you can see past. I mean, it's not like the restaurants are paying you for sick time because – not many restaurants in the United States do that, let alone pay a livable wage. Now, that's just in the United States. For all my friends that listen on the, all over the rest of the world, some, it might be different for all you guys. But that's just here in the United States. This job is pretty stressful. I mean, we put up with a lot of shit, and we have good times, we have bad times. And um, when all of a sudden people are sitting there saying, you're non-essential, that brings you down and it and it probably would take a lot to bring somebody back up but at least you, uh, restaurant owners managers you gotta at least try you know some some people yes that worked at your restaurant probably moved on with their lives got themselves a different job uh whether it's serving or doing something else uh i'm sure a lot of your restaurant workers if you jump on tiktok you'll find them on there uh but they don't feel special and is, you know, they need, they need to feel like that. They're the important cog. They are now. I'm not saying restaurant owners, managers to do backflips, go, Hey, how you doing? It's great to see you every shift. Nobody would be able to put up with that, but you know, at least let them know that, that you're glad to see them. And uh, you know, there'd be more, inclined to support you the last bar that i worked at uh i liked my manager he was a good guy and i was willing every time uh, he want uh anytime i was available you need somebody to work i'm there you got a outrageous shift that i never work i'm there just because he was always really cool with me even when he got customer complaints about me how big of a smart ass i am he was always, he'd just kind of take me aside and just gently say, you got to be nice, Anthony. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sorry. I know that was out of line. He was cool. He took care of every single one of us. And not, all of us that worked at that restaurant were always there to back him up 100% and make sure business kept going. And, you know, eventually things move, but eventually things move on. We go on with our lives but just because of his respect, a lot of the restaurant workers uh, stuck around, stuck with him, um, just because uh, we respected him so much. We liked him. Uh, now, that was pre-pandemic, but during the pandemic now, or uh, after, uh, we're not post-pandemic yet, are we? Um 
but during the pandemic, things got a little bit different. The owner of that restaurant now tried his best to give what hours he could to the employees that he had, which is fully respectable since all they could do was uh, just uh, call in orders and uh, take out food. And, uh, but he gave as many hours evenly to his employees as he possibly could. And that's a sign of respect. And that's a sign of looking out for your employees. That's all I ask you managers and owners out there. Show some respect. That's all you need in order to have a loyal employee. That way they don't feel non-essential. The non-essential is such a, a evil word. And it brings down everybody's self-esteem. Everybody that got affected by the non-essential closure of the uh, COVID pandemic. And, you know, when you get told that you're non-essential, I don't blame some of these people for not going to work. What? You don't need me? Fine. I'm going somewhere else. Said and done. And you know what the funny thing is? I got told, uh, like I said earlier in the show, I had a teacher threaten saying that, you know, do you want, really want that kind of a life where you're serving burgers? You know, some of those people became essential. And uh, a lot of people that aren't restaurant workers became non-essential. And sure, some of people got to work from home. Teachers had to work through Zoom. But you need to eat. And uh, it's... You know, they were the ones that made sure that uh, there was uh, going to be food on your table because the way the economy is nowadays, there's not always time to cook a full meal for your, a full healthy meal for your family. So you got to look towards the restaurants. How essential do you, you think we are now? Anyway, okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox here. It is last call, people. Last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar. We'll set you up good. Uh... Just want to uh, tell all you guys, Lower Hope and the Arctones just came out with a brand new album. You know Lower Hope and the Arctones. They open up my show every episode because uh, I love that song that they do called uh, Dr. Bartender. Get on Spotify, get on iTunes, or go to their website and go check out their new album, Here to Tell the Tale. And I'm telling you, it's a great album. Guys, go listen to it right now. Remember, guys, if you want to contact me, all you have to do is email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. If you got any questions for me, any comments for me, you want to be a part of the show, you want to hear your music to be played on the show, all you have to do, email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. You can also follow me on the social medias, Facebook, Hey Bartender Podcast, Instagram, Hey Bartender Podcast, TikTok, Hey Bartender Podcast. And you can also DM me through any of those. I'll, uh, I'll answer any and all messages that you guys send me because I love getting mail from you guys. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, all my uh, favorite essential employees out there, I want to wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here!